It's the Ramsey commandment, thou shall pay off all non-mortgage debt before enjoying <laughs> the investment fruits. Um, yeah, that's one of his uh, go-to advice, and I don't disagree with it, but at the same time, this is kind of where it comes into more of um, not everyone's reality. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into All Things Retirement. I am Ben George. He's Anthony Alpha, certified financial planner and the founder at Cardinal Wealth Group. Today, we're going to pull out a, an article we found on USA Today that I thought was interesting, uh, mainly because of who is involved. This is Dave Ramsey, a guy that uh, gets a lot of respect in this industry and has a lot of good tips for people trying to save money. Um, his advice obviously doesn't apply to everyone across the board, but has is very well respected. But the, the reason why we picked this article out because the headline, the headline got us. Uh, why Dave Ramsey followers should disregard some of his tips on retirement savings. So I, I wanted to pull this this uh, article out today, Anthony, and just kind of get your thoughts on maybe both sides of it and kind of see where you stand on a lot of these different tips. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, certainly, Dave Ramsey has a, a huge following. Um, we certainly meet people sporadically throughout the year that uh, might be like listeners or followers of him. So uh, I know he's got a pretty good tribe that, that follow him and look forward to talking more about this, this article. Yeah, we're going to put the article up in our show notes. So if you, uh, if you want to read it for yourself and kind of go through it, it's written by Christy Bieber uh, of The Motley Fool, but we're going to put it up, cardinalwg.com. That is the website. We'll put this and every podcast up there. So you can go back through the archives and listen to our past conversations as well. But please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to. Uh, we'd appreciate that, whether it be Apple or Google or Spotify, all the major podcasting apps, you'll find all things retirement there as well. Which is, all, which is also interesting, uh, Christy Bieber, she's the with The Motley Fool, which is another um, basically financial advice stock, mostly stock tip type of um, outlet or uh, communication medium. And okay. uh, just interesting to see somebody almost not to say that she's going after him but just kind of bringing it up uh between the two well i think what's good about kind of pulling this out and pointing this out anthony for the show is that you know a lot of people will get their financial planning advice and tips from you know all the research is available online and from some some of the top personalities but i think the kind of the thing we're pointing out here today as we go through this is that you know his his information and his tips and his guidance might be great for 80% of the people out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fit what you're trying to do. 100%. I, and I think that like all these things that people oftentimes come in, like rule of thumb type of things, like the 4% rule or getting a certain you know rate of return expectation. And, and I mean, there's, there's so many of them. Overall, it's not like anything's really, I mean, there's certainly bad advice and things that don't apply, but given the context of, I'm sure what we're going to cover, it's probably not wrong. It's just saying, does it really apply to you? It's not always that black and white, these topics. And it and it's um, a lot of different ways to do it. And it can be really gray. And, and sometimes it doesn't apply at all. So it's just what context is it in, in terms of where you're at? All right. So let's jump into it here. Again, we're going to put this in the show notes. So if you want to go through it yourself, you can, but let's begin with this one. Uh, the, the tip that Dave Ramsey will give out is that you should choose mutual funds 
over ETFs or stocks. That's, uh, you know, one thing he recommends. And he says it's because, you know, they're designed to be invested over the long term. Um, and it's possible to even outperform the market by picking the right mutual funds. And ETFs often come with costs. And while the fees are lower with mutual funds, those are some of the arguments for uh, investing this way. But what do you think about it? I, again, I, I don't see why this would be something that he's, um, I, I don't know why this is even a, a point of bringing something up. ETFs and mutual funds overlap in, in similarities in a lot of ways. A lot of companies, whether it's uh, Vanguard or, or Schwab or uh, some of the other popular companies have the same type of ETF as they do mutual funds. The only thing I can think of is that there are more actively managed mutual funds with the stated goal of outperforming the market, whereas there are becoming more and more active managed ETFs. Most of them in general have been passive in nature with really tracking the, the performance of a overall market. So I'm guessing that's where he's going at with that. I mean, it's certainly from an expense standpoint, ETFs are going to be generally much, much cheaper to okay. typically utilize in most all instances. Not all, right? I can't say it to 100%, but generally speaking, the cost, the average cost of a mutual fund is still at 1% or more. And there's certainly ones that are much higher than that. And there's definitely ones that are lower. Uh, I think overall ETFs are generally going to be cheaper, especially with the fact that most custodians today have really low trading costs. So the ETFs are generally the cheaper route to go. But overall, I mean, from a long-term investment vehicle, I don't know what he's talking about. You can invest ETFs for the long term, just like you can mutual funds. Really a, a confusing statement to me, and I'm not exactly sure that the context there of what he's talking about. So anybody that's maybe not familiar with ETFs as much as mutual funds, you still have a, a pretty good wide variety of investment options with ETFs, right? A absolutely. So you can buy the S&P 500 mutual fund. You can buy the S&P 500 ETF. It's going to look the same and work exactly the same way. Uh, the, some of the nuanced differences are that mutual funds, you buy them basically once a day and the cost of it is calculated at the end of the day after the market closes, and that's what determines your number of shares for a certain amount of an investment. Whereas ETFs are going to trade more like a, a stock, so they're going to trade throughout the day, and so you can buy and sell them just like you can a stock. Overall, that's you know that's going to be the main biggest differences. There are, there are some others. Uh, probably not enough time to go into the technicalities of of it, but. Right. Yes, you can get the same type of S&P 500 mutual fund as you can ETF. Okay. So some things to know there. So if you are kind of interested in, in what your best investment option might be, maybe it is mutual funds, maybe it's stocks, maybe it's ETFs, but you want to have that conversation, have a plan in place with your advisor. All right. The next thing that uh, Ramsey often says, a tip he gives, is that you can earn a 12% average annual return. Um this 12% reality, when, when Christy uh, breaks it down here in this article, basically is spelled out as this is the simple average returns of the S&P 500 over the last 90 years or so, which uh, Ramsey reports to be about 11.64%. But can you really measure your performance based on just those, those simple averages? This is the one that I, I see a lot. 
when I say a lot, out of the handful of people that come in that mention about Ramsey and getting like their expectation, if we are to help manage their money is to get like 12% because that's basically what they've said. And that's the one that I think um, really hurts people the most, especially if you're just taking somebody at their word. You know, in the, in the article, right, they're talking about how he's mentioning 12% average rate returns. And I, I think that Christie, in, in the article, the author is focusing more on the fact that he's using simple math versus compound growth. And realistically, it's like closer to 10 and that 2% difference between 12 and 2 is a lot. Sure. But I, I think the bigger issue with what he's saying there is almost detrimental to a lot of investors who are not who are just going to run with this. Um, what I mean by that is that if you're expecting and, and just using an Excel calculator or using your own financial planning software from, you know, your where your 401k is held and, and where you can plug in numbers and you're putting in 12%, you could get a false sense of hope saying that you're going to be all right because of course you're going to look all right getting a tw- averaging 12% for your lifetime, but that's just not really reality. And if people are running this types of analysis at 12%, you know, it could have them saving less than they really should have if they're doing this type of calculation when they're, you know, in their 20s and and 30s. And it's not something that you would expect to earn year over year for the rest of your life, because you're going to probably get a little bit more conservative as you get older. So for me, I, I just don't like the the expectation, I, I really say, you know, let's tone down that and, and maybe assume something like 7% if, if you're a risk taker during your working years and, and bring it down to something more conservative, closer to retirement and base it something closer to that. It's not to say that you can't make 12% or, or more, you know, 20%. You can also lose, you know, 10 or 12 or 20% as well. So I, I just think that it, it it's kind of a misleading statement and that can hurt people who are not really understanding um, what's at stake and, and really where it's coming from. Yeah. And I would imagine too, like if you don't have patience and don't see kind of the big picture, like if you had a couple of years early on where you were either getting zero, 1% or even you know, the market was down and you were losing a little bit of money, you'd probably abandon ship pretty quickly and, and kind of shift your entire plan, right? Well, certainly, right? I mean, uh, the 12% he's, he's talking about is just in the S&P 500. I don't know anybody that like really anybody who just puts all their money just in the S&P 500 either. Not because that's such a concentrated holding, you're taking on a, a lot of risk and you know by not diversifying some of that. So, I mean that's a, another good point is that most people's overall 401k's, IRAs or regular investments are are more diversified than that as well. And generally speaking, right? Not mm-hmm. not talking about a stock trader who's buying, you know, 20 25 holdings, just your your everyday person who's got their money in their 401k IRA and spread out over 5 to 15 different mutual funds, something like that. Their 12% is not really going to be an average trader return reality for like 99% of all those people. And also think like if that was the case, right, we'll you probably wouldn't have a job, right? If it was that easy to where you could just throw your money and get 12% every year, why would I need to work with anybody? 
Yeah, I don't even know why I would want to even do this job either. Yeah, I just it's that uh, you, you you can retire. You have to worry about right. it yourself. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, we got one more point, uh, one more tip that he often shares with people that uh, that listen and, and follow him and read his stuff, is that you should pay off all non mortgage debt before you even start investing for retirement. So everything but your mortgage, pay that down, get that emergency fund saved up, and then start saving saving and investing for retirement. What do you think about that? It's the Ramsey commandment. Thou shall pay off all non-mortgage debt before enjoying <laughs> the investment fruits. Um, yeah, that's one of his uh, go-to advice. And I don't disagree with it, but at the same time, this is kind of where it comes into more of um, not everyone's reality. And don't get me wrong, there are going to be a clan or tribe of people that are going to follow what Dave says here because they hate that and that's excellent. But that's like a, such a small group of people who actually live like that. Uh, the average American is having uh, a mortgage debt, they're having auto loans, they're having uh, college loans, having some type of revolving credit card debt, generally speaking. And again, I'm not here to say that you should have these things, but it's just the way that life is balanced between short-term things that you want versus you know long-term objectives such as saving enough for retirement. Then I think there's also people who have found themselves in fi a financial burden, whether it's because of healthcare or making poor choices, who built their spending off of credit cards, who found themselves in a terrible situation, who should follow exactly more so what probably Dave is, is saying overall. But I would say that the remaining 80% of people or something to that effect are trying to balance needs and wants today versus the future. And I think that's exactly what financial planning where it can be helpful and guiding people to accomplish those you know nearer goals, such as maybe paying off their college loans, uh, helping them with a home upgrade or, or buying their first home and getting getting finances for that, uh, helping to pay kids their their kids through college or paying off their own college loans while also saving for retirement. This doesn't neither take into effect some of the benefits of home ownership. Uh, and I know he's saying it's okay to have the home, but uh, or a HELOC where you can get some tax deductions. In some states you get a tax deduction for the, the college loans. Also, what what about the companies that are providing uh, a matching contribution? You probably would want to take care, uh, take advantage of the free money. So I just think that it's more complicated than that. It's not for the average person the way that they're going to live. And oftentimes, if you pay off a debt and you just let twenty years pass, and especially if it's a low, like three four percent interest rate, you might be able to get seven percent in your investment account over you know. 20 year period of time. So there's definitely a, a difference there where it makes sense to invest it and, and let that nest egg grow. And again, I just don't think that that's going to be something for everybody, but I know he gets part of his tribe followers from this type of talking point because he hammers on it. Right. So I guess just kind of listen to you today on this episode, I guess you kind of lean towards what Christy is saying through a lot of this is, is, uh, she disagrees with these three tips to a starting I didn't think extent. I was going to get this passionate about Dave <laughs> Ramsey. <laughs> I wasn't sure either, but I'm glad we picked this this article to go through. 
but they thought it was a good conversation. I mean, because a lot of people do listen and, and kind of follow this. And right again, the reason why we do this show is to stress the importance of customizing your plan, right? To, to make sure you're doing things that meet your needs specifically and not just kind of general financial advice. I, I think you really actually just summed up like the most common thing that is reoccurring about this every episode is that all this is customizable at the end of the day. It's just all personalized topics that are should and and are customizable and just running with these statements that are out there can be working against you, can be dangerous and, and not in your best interest many times. It's not to say don't listen and, and grab it and but test it and make sure it's a, a good fit for you. And there's nothing wrong with living a, a debt-free lifestyle. I mean, that it would be the ideal way, but it's just for most, it's not. And this is for higher income earners, not just low, like high income earners right. have debt. <laughs> right. <laughs> they That's want a point. second home. They want a third home. They want to, you know, do extensive renovation. I mean, this is the way that their lifestyle is. And, you know, to tell them to not have the mortgage would be, or not doing, don't save until you do these things would, would never work for them. Very true. Very good point, Anthony. Uh, so some things to think about, but if you want to read this for yourself, again, we'll put it in the show notes to whatever, wherever you're listening, whatever podcasting app you're listening on, or, or you can visit the website as well, cardinalwg.com. That is the website to get in touch with Cardinal Wealth Group. Uh, but you can also call Anthony at 609-362-5512. I thought this was very healthy and lively debate. Um, I do know what buttons to push now with you on the podcast, <laughs> Anthony. But no, in all in all seriousness, I did, did enjoy the conversation and good to hear your perspective on on some tips that we often hear pretty frequently. Yeah, and I, and I, I do think that he's passing on overall, you know, a good message of good information. So uh, I just, you know, like you said, keep it custom. But yeah, good talking with you, Ben. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of All Things Retirement. Please subscribe to the show, and we'll talk to you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.